Good morning. It's a pleasure to be here with you uh, today. Let's just jump in. Let's go ahead and pray together. Father, I thank you for this amazing day. This is the day you have made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. In the midst of this day, we choose to rejoice and be glad in it because you gave us another day. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your love. We thank you for seeing us, knowing us, seeing our sin, our failure, our mistakes, and still loving us in spite of us. God, if we're honest, we are wretched people who are so far from anything near God, it's weird. (laughs) that we get to know a holy God personally. And the fact that you welcome us into your story is overwhelming. So we give you glory for who you are and for loving us in spite of us. But because you love us, that says something special about us. We are seen, we are known, we are vital, and we are important to your heart. Thank you for giving us worth through your love. Speak through these weak vocal cords today. Speak through me in some way to where we can see the cross of Christ as we depend on you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It's a pleasure to be back with you today. Um, It's an absolute honor. I I love new life and have been coming here for over a decade to share. Um, It's weird. I'm seeing grown adults that were just kids when I first met them. And it's like, oh, you've gotten older, and what does that say about me? I really feel that. Like, these grades weren't here when I first came. And now, you know, I'm going in a very Santa Clausian direction. Um, But it's an honor to be with you today. What I want to share with you today is something that hit me heavy. And can I just be completely honest with you? Just, just raw, honest. I knew the scripture that I wanted to share today, but when I studied it out, it went in a direction I did not anticipate. You see, sometimes we can bring what we want to bring to the Bible rather than letting the Bible be what the Bible is. That makes sense? I thought I was going to share one thing and God was like, oh, you're stupid. Um, let me give you what I actually want to say, and it's been transforming and changing me um, as I've been walking through it. Today, our key scripture that we're going to look at is going to come out of Ephesians 3, but we'll get there in just a moment. As this, as is customary this time of the year, we can come up with new mantras and new ways of thinking and new things that, new, new slogans for what we want the year to be. That makes sense? It's like, I knew me in 2023, and screw you in 2022, and, you know, I'm alive in 2025. We love, you know, we're just idiots. Um, But we like to come up with these things as if those things are actually going to change, and we set up resolutions, and we have a plan for what we want to do in a year, and how many of you know that by February, what's happened with most of that stuff? What I want to talk about today is something that doesn't just go away. What I want to talk about today is something that if you focus on all year, you will be right where God wants you to be, right on his heart, right in the will of God for your life. Maybe all of those silly things that we come up with to make ourselves feel good about the new year, maybe those things don't carry much weight, but maybe God does have something that he wants us to do. 
And so that's what I want to share today. And hear me, there's nothing wrong with having a vision in a dream. There's nothing wrong with that. It's a wonderful thing to have a vision in a dream for the new year. That's great. It's a, it's a, it's a positive thing. But we have to understand that our wants and God's will aren't always the same. I'll say it again, God, our wants and God's will are not always the same thing. And the sooner we get that, the better off we'll be. But I hope today we'll lean in on what's guaranteed to give us a year where God is glorified. See, the reality is life happens, whether we want it to or not. Life happens. Things go in directions that we don't anticipate. Things go in ways that we are, are shocked by. You know, we get diagnoses that we don't want and that change the whole trajectory of our lives. Um, our kids just full on idiot out and we're like, what happened? Car accidents, jobs, pandemics, things happen. My brother told me this, and I'm gonna give him credit because he doesn't give me good advice all the time. But he said, you got to take life on life's terms. You have to deal with what is, not just what you want. That makes sense? You have to face what comes, not just what you wish would happen. Does that make sense? And there are complex complexities of variants that happen in the midst of good, bad, and ugly, and just this roller coaster of life if we learn to trust God and just ride the wave, we're better off in the midst. And if we hold on to the thing that won't change, if we hold on to the things that don't shift and move, then we have a firm foundation even when life gets really high or even when life gets really low. There you go. See, I knew you'd catch it. The truth is we have little control over our lives, as much as we fancy ourselves the captain of our own ships, the masters of our own souls, we have very little we actually control. That's the beauty of a pandemic, because right when you feel like you got it all worked out, something happens and we realize, oh, I can't fix change. We were planning on doing this in the company and it was gonna go great, and now our company's about to die. You're talking to someone whose church had to close amidst COVID. That wasn't in the plan that I had for my life. But when 10,000 people disappear from the community where you serve, you kind of have nothing to do. Life happens, am I right? You can't fix everything. You can't change it. All you can do is follow God in the midst and know that he is the one that holds your future no matter what. Which leads us to our very first lesson, and this is even before we get into the text, but it's important for us to understand. Lesson number one, life is more manageable when we give up the illusion of control. Life is more manageable when we give up the illusion of control. Control is just an illusion. You aren't in control of yourself. You think you are? Stop your heart. See what happens. Just go ahead and arbitrarily stop your heart. We'll wait. Might be fun to watch. You don't control your heart. 
It's on an automatic system. It's going to stop when God finally says it's over. Try to stop yourself from blinking. See, you aren't in control. Control is just an illusion. We think too highly of ourselves. We think that we can determine where life's going. You have to give that up. Life is more manageable when you trust God to do what God does. The only real control we have is the control of response to what happens. You can choose how you respond to an eye that doesn't want to blink. You can respond to a heart that keeps beating. You can respond to a job that's lost. You can respond to a loved one that disappeared. You can respond to a wayward child. You can respond to a pandemic. We can respond, and that is pretty much all the power we have. Can I get an amen? To think that you have more power than that is foolishness, and life will remind you that you are not in control. It's funny, the last time I was here, I was telling, if you remember, most of you, I don't know if you remember, I was here last time, but I was telling you I was in the hardest season of my life, and I think it's about to end. It did not. It got worse. So much worse. And I'm thinking it's about to go good, and it just tanked. But what I've discovered is that I'm not in control, is that I have to put my hands in the hand of the one who is in control. I realize how small and insignificant I am, and that all I can do is respond to God's leading, even in a tough season. Does that make sense? Proverbs 19 and 21 says, Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. We, you can have all the plans you want. You can have an amazing business and you can plan it out and everything could go right and just the perfect storm of situations happened and everything goes sideways. You can be prepared for the absolute worst thing to happen. Life's going to fall apart. It's going to be terrible. And God can just tweak one little bit of it, and you could be living the life you were always meant to live. You aren't in control of it. All you can do is respond. But in that response is a freedom and a knowing and a, and a love of God that can come out in the midst of it that changes everything. So that's what we're going to focus on today. See, what I want to help you with is I want you to understand that how we see and interact with God is often wrong. We can think because God is good, if I'm being good, everything's going to be good. That sound familiar? God is good and I'm doing the right thing so everything's going to go well. Conversely, God can be good and you can be terrible and things go exceptionally well. If that's you, I want to fight you after church. Because I've had the first scenario and it's unfair and I don't like you right now. But God is going to do what God does. And it's not predicated on your goodness. It's predicated on his will for your life. 
It's not based on how good you are, how well you were able to work it out, or how you were able to keep yourself from acting up when you really wanted to act up. It's not based on that. God's grace is bigger than how you are in that moment. He loves you beyond your current activity. He loves you beyond how well you were today, how well you spoke to your spouse today, how responsive you were. God loves you in spite of all that. And he's working his will out in your life. And sometimes in this life, you just have to go through the valley of the shadow of death. And other times in this life, you are on the mountaintop and you can't control when you're doing either. All you can do is go along for the ride because it's God's ride on his time and his power with his authority. And you get to be a part. Hallelujah. That's all we can do. That's all we can do. God is omniscient. He knows how it's going to work out. I love how the Bible does give us the assurance that he's going to work it out for our good. He didn't say it would be good. He didn't say it would feel good, but he'd work it out for our good. So my trust is that God has it even if I don't. I don't need to keep my hands on the steering wheel. I can fall asleep in the back because he's taking care of it. He just wants me to be in the car. Is this making any sense? Amen online. Paul had this experience as he's talking to the church at Ephesus. And he starts out chapter 3 by encouraging them to not allow the cultural conditions to change how they interact with one another. And he tells them that there's a mystery that's been hidden from ages. There's a mystery that God's had. And the mystery is that now you who were once Gentiles apart from God, not in relationship, not in connection with God, you now are a part of the family. You've been adopted in. You have all the rights and privileges of children of God. And it was a little weird because those who are a part of the family of God from when God started the family were like, you guys don't function, act like, think like, look like us. And the people that were coming in were like, we don't want to be like you. We want to be like Jesus. Stop trying to make us like you. You're trying to make us better Jews. We don't want to be better Jews. We want to be good Jesus followers. And the Jews were like, but you are really, really bad at being anything godly and everything you are looks weird to us. And these two conflicting cultures are coming together in Ephesus. A very diverse church. And Paul is writing to them while he's in prison. Now think about this. He is encouraging them and he is locked up. I don't know if anybody in the room's actually been in a jail cell. It's not the most place, the most wonderful place to be encouraging people. But Paul is encouraging the church to stand as one and to understand this beautiful mystery that we all are connected now because God loves us and this is a message you're sending us from prison. I, if I'm in prison, the message I'm sending you is, get me out of here! But no, Paul's on assignment and he's making sure that the people of God don't let silly things separate them. They had a love issue because they saw us versus them rather than we. That makes sense? Us versus them, because you know those people are the real problem. It's, though it's them. They're the problem. God, if you can work on them, we will be great. 
If you can fix them, see that, see, those of you who have been married for more than a week, you know that's just dumb. God, if you could just fix my spouse, life will be much better. But very often, you can't control that. The only thing that you can fix is yourself. And you're not completely in charge of that. But the us versus them was thick in the church in Ephesus. So Paul is telling them this miracle, this mystery that we're all one is something that you have to embrace. And then we pick up verse 14. And I'm going to read through it a few times, but let's start this together. For this reason, I bow my knee before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. According to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. We're going to stop there. We'll pick up a little later, but that's a lot. Paul is masterful at giving us long run-on sentences that are deep and rich and complicated. Now, how many of you were like, that sounded wonderful? I don't know what it means. That is how Paul, Paul does that so many times, where it's like he's just going with the thought and he just won't stop compounding, and by the end of it, you're like, amen. But we're going to take our time and walk through it. This time, you don't have to read it. I'll read it. I just want you to listen, (coughs) excuse me, as I walk through this. For this reason, what's the reason? The mystery that's been hidden, that we are all one, united, together. God has us as one family. For that reason, I bow my knee before the Father. I'm thankful to the Father who made everybody from from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named according to the riches of his glory. So he has richness and wealth attached to his glory and his richness and glory is going to do something. He may grant you to be strengthened. So his riches and glory are helping you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. So who you will be is not based on, like I said, give up the illusion of control. It's not based on you. It's not based on what you bring to the party. It's not based on your goodness, your kindness, your sweetness, your attractiveness. It's not based on any of that. God is doing a work. It's based on what he's doing. It's his riches of glory, and he will grant you to be strengthened through power. So you're going to get power and it's going to come through his spirit in your inner being. Do you see how you really aren't that important? This is a whole lot of God and a little bit of you. It's a work that God is doing through his spirit. It's an empowering that he's going to give you. 
so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. All of this is moving so that Jesus Christ may live in you in your heart through faith. Now that word faith is one that we use a lot in our current Christian understanding, but many of us don't understand what it means. The word faith comes from the Greek word pistis, pistis, and it means trust. It means to depend completely upon. It's the idea that I can stand on this stage and I know it's not going to go anywhere. I can depend. I don't have to be afraid. I am good. I can put my trust that the stage isn't going anywhere. Now, I didn't see the stage be put up and I didn't see who put it up, so maybe that's not actually a good idea. But that's the concept I can rely completely upon. So Christ will live in our heart through pistis, through faith. And he will grant you to be strengthened and empowered through his spirit and your inner being so that Christ may live in your hearts by trusting him with all you are and all you have completely with your life, giving up control. That you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength, once again, he's going to strengthen us through the spirit, but now you're going to have strength to comprehend with all the saints the breadth and length and height and depth of the love of, and to know the love of Christ. So you're going to be rooted and grounded in love. He's going to strengthen you and empower you through your faith in Christ that you may be rooted and grounded in love so you won't just go with whatever happens, but you're going to have a foundation. You're going to be rock solid in love. And then he doubles down on the love and to know the love of Christ. So you're going to be rooted in love and then you're going to know the love. Now, this is a weird statement. Follow me as Paul talks. To know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. You're going to know something that goes beyond knowledge. Excuse me, Paul. You're going to be rooted and grounded in love, and that love you'll know, but it's a love that you can't know. I'll let you think about that. You're going to... Paul... Rooted and grounded, I'm good. But I'm going to know the unknowable as best as I can know it. But it goes beyond knowledge, this love of Christ, the Christ who's in my heart that was given to me through the Spirit who empowered me so that I could be rooted and grounded through faith. And he's going to surpass, and it's a knowledge that I'll know, but it surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So the fullness of God is going to dwell in me and I'm going to be rooted and grounded in love and I'm going to know the love of Christ. Lesson number two, God desires for us to be strengthened and deepened in his love. You want to know what to focus on? Let's focus on love. This love is not a weak, soft, shallow love. It is agape love, God's relenting love, unrelenting love, God's God's all-compassing, all-surpassing love. It's a big, big, big love that we're talking about here. And you won't just know it, you will be increased and enlarged in it. 
We can develop in our spiritual development all year long because this is something God wants. He wants us to be rooted and grounded in love, and he wants us to understand the breadth and the length and the height and the depth of this love that God has for us. That's the thing to focus on. That almighty God wants us to increase in our breadth and length and height and depth in his love. His unrelenting love. That means that if a bad diagnosis comes across, you can increase in your breadth and length and height and depth. That means if all of your life is just attacked by hell, you can still increase in your breadth and length and height and depth. This means that when you're tempted to not forgive someone who does you wrong, you can love them because God wants to increase your breadth and length and height and depth. That means when your car is being hit in the back by some idiot who's not paying attention and you want to give them the one finger salute, you can be increased in your breadth and length and height and depth. When that neighbor that you can't stand decides that they want to say something offhanded to you, you don't have to respond in a nasty way. Why? Because God has increased your breadth and length and height and depth because he has strengthened you through his power to empower you so that you can be rooted and grounded in this same love so that love is not only your call ahead, but love is the thing we get when you show up. And when you leave, love is the last thing they remember. Love never fails. As Corinthians tells us. No cute mantras there. Just the love of God no matter what. The love of God no matter what. See, the, the love of God was a love that Jesus showed us when we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. At your very ugliest, Jesus didn't re re repel from your disgusting sin. He looked at you and went, I'm coming in close. When your spouse is unlovely and they are the way they can be sometimes, you decide to love them in spite of what they do. You decide to love them in spite of how frustrating they can be sometimes. You just choose to love. When that child is wayward and you have been praying for them over and over again and they are plucking your absolute last nerve, you decide to love them in spite of themselves. Why? Because God loved you in spite of yourself. And you're not trying to exist in the shallows of love. You want to know the breadth and the length and the height and the depth and be rooted and grounded in this very same love. What, what would your life look like if that's what you focused on? Instead of, God, I want a new job because I can't stand my boss, I'm going to love my boss with everything I have and I'm going to show them the breadth and length and height and the depth as I'm rooted and grounded in your love, because you have empowered and strengthened me to do so. If you want to know what God is doing, God is increasing and trying to increase his love. If you've wondered what God's doing, God is always doing this. He's never not doing this. You don't need cute slogans when you do what God's doing. 
All you got to do is do what he's doing and you know that what's going to happen is going to work out for your good because I'm doing what God always wanted to do. He wants to expand that love. I've had to learn that this past year. I've had to love the unlovable. I've had to stand in the midst of horrible situations and just be where God wants me to be. It doesn't mean it doesn't hurt when you stand in this. You will have to go through circumstances and situations that prove and qualify that love. But when you are increased in your breadth and length and height and depth of God's unrelenting agape love, you just look different. You live different. You function differently. You don't have to try to keep it together. God just keeps you together. Why? Because you're about his business, not yours. We got to get out of the shallows. Will you say, Damien, how can this be done? This sounds like a lot, Damien. You don't know the people I know and the way they, mm, mm. If you knew my spouse, I can't say it. I'm just going to look straight. It's hard to love them. It ain't easy to love you. You didn't see the email about you last week. It's a rich love. So how can this be done? How can this be done, Damien? With lesson number three, we must trust our God who has more than enough to supply what we need. That pistis, that trust. He has more than supply. Look at what Scripture says at verse 20. It says, now to him who was able to do far more abundantly than all we can ask or think according to the power. Once again, he's given that power to do it that works in us. Many of us have read this Scripture a bunch of times, but we never attribute it to being increased in our breadth and length and height and depth. We want to talk about the God who can do exceedingly and abundantly more. I, I like, there's a better way to say this, and for English majors, you're going to hate this, but it's like saying God could do even more and more. He could do so much even more and more. He could do even more, better more. That's the hyperemphasis on this statement. And it's more than you can ask or think. Now, very often we want God to do more in our finances. We want God to do more in our parenting. We want God to do more in our marriages. We want God to do more in our friendships. We want God to do more in our career, but we don't attribute it to love. The direct context is you being rooted and grounded in love. The direct context is, is you having increased in your breadth and length and height and depth of love. That's where he wants to do exceedingly and abundantly more, even more than you can imagine or even think. The, your prayers aren't even big enough to show the kind of love that God wants to do through you. God can give you the power to love the ugly, broken, wounded people that are right around you. When you want to quit on God, he, he can give you a love. He can give you a love that holds on no matter what. And he can do even more abundantly above what you could ever think. That doesn't make sense if you've never been to a point to where you've wanted to quit. But he can give you a love that won't quit when everything in your life is screaming at you quit. Ask Job. 
that hold on kind of love, that love that sustains all things, that love when you lose loved ones, that love when you are abandoned and when you are rejected, he can give you a love that holds on no matter what. And he can do it beyond what you could even ask or think. But it's through his power, not yours. That's why we say you got to give up the illusion of control. God, I need you to help me love people that are unlovely. Why? Because I know my tendency to just go screw it, forget it. It's not worth it. When life goes sideways and things don't go the way you imagine them to go, it is very easy. Many of us know people that started on the God train and got off because God didn't do what I thought he would do because I thought God was going to be my magic genie or my Santa Claus and he was going to give me what I want. And he didn't give me what I want. So I need God to hold on to me when I want to quit on him. Love. Big love. Let me give you a caution. <coughs> and young people, I specifically want you to hear this because the culture tells you that love is something it's not. Love is not agreeing with somebody that's wrong. There is right and wrong. Usually when somebody talks about love, it's all that ooey-gooey, you know, anything goes kind of stuff. Love doesn't just agree. Love can look somebody in the eye and go, you're wrong, but I love you. Love can look somebody in the eye and go, mm-mm, that ain't right, but I love you. But what love does is love covers sin. Love goes beyond limits. Love can look somebody in the eye that's dead wrong, but know that God sees right, even though you're wrong. But isn't that what Jesus did to us? He saw us in our sorry state, and he went, I still love you. I'm still for you. Oh, you're wrong. You are dead wrong. But what does that have to do with how I love you? This kind of love is a big, relentless love. Agape love does not quit easily. And it loves in all circumstances. Matthew 22, 37 through 39 says, you shall love. Jesus was asked by a young uh, lawyer, religious lawyer, What's the most important thing that we should know about all the scriptures? And Jesus says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Doesn't that sound like the breadth and length and height and depth? Love him with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. And many of us are great. Thank you, God. I will love you with all my heart. So I'm going to love you like that, God. Hallelujah. And then Jesus throws in a sneaky second. It's wonderful to love God that way. It's the second part that's hard. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Come on. Have you met? But what would it look like if we invested a year in just growing in our breadth and length and height and depth? And when people are nasty and mean, and cruel and vicious to us, all we do is love. When God lets us down because he didn't do what he wants us to do, we still love him because we know he's empowered us to do it. He's given us, he, he can go exceedingly and abundantly above everything we could ever ask or think in the area of love where we don't let down because of that. 
What happens when we look at how Jesus loves us and we choose to love people that way? You see, that doesn't go well on a nice little slogan. And to love people that way will cost you. It will break your heart. Loving God when God lets you down is not an easy thing. But only through his power can you continue to love him and love others. When you refuse to stay away from, when you refuse to stay in, how I want to say, I want to say it well. When you refuse to get disconnected from his community because when you look in the eyes of other believers, you see him and you love them because he loves them. When you see someone that is just wrecked and broken and wounded, you don't walk away, but you step in because God loves them. You see his image in his creation and you love. This is a radical life, and that word radical comes from the word rooted. It means grounded, radicalis, to be grounded. And we're supposed to be rooted and grounded in the love of God. And we're supposed to love people with this radical, crazy love. Let that be the thing you focus on this year. And don't be shocked when God brings unlovely people into your life. And don't be shocked when folks are unlovable around you. Because that's God's opportunity to increase your breadth and length and height and depth. Why should I love this way? We love this way because God loved us this way. We were loved first. And so we love in response. I don't serve God out of obligation because I got to. I serve God because I get to. That is a complete difference. I don't love God because I have to. I love God because I'm allowed to. I was welcomed in. That mystery, I was welcomed into a relationship with the Holy God that I didn't deserve. So now he gets all my love and I love you the same way. Why? Because you were formed in his image. Can we let love lead? Can we let love be the thing? Can we let love decide how things go? Can we not yield on our own anger, frustration, disappointment? Can we not pat ourselves on the back because we feel like we made things happen, but we just love God? And can we not feel so depressed when things don't go the way we want because we just love God and love people? If we just focus on the love of God, then we can know we're in the will of God. And I think maybe, just maybe, more people might decide to follow our God if they see love coming from his people. Amen? Father, I thank you for this moment. I know this isn't the most profound message people have probably heard, but but it's important. So often we can make excuses for why we don't have to love but you loved us when we were yet sinners, Jesus. You died in our place when we didn't deserve any love and you showed us your agape love. 
And now you want us to love you and love others. So God, why wouldn't we? It's a privilege to know you. Many of us, God, have served you out of obligation. We've served you out of have to. We haven't served you out of get to. We come to church because you says it's a good thing to come to church. Could you flip that this year? Teach us how to love you well and teach us how to love our neighbors well. Through whatever circumstances, God, if, if you cause us to abound, let us love you. If you cause us to be a base, let us love you. Let love be the signature with which we're known. Let others look at how we love you and one another. And God, they may be ready to see and extend their lives towards you because they've seen an example. Lord, your word says that you are love, so when we do this, we are doing what you do the way you do what you do. Let us just be where you are. And let all the foolishness of our wants yield to your will. Let us give up the illusion of control and let us just stay in the love of God. Father, I pray if there's anyone here today that may be learning for the first time they're living out of obligation and not love, they would yield to you today. Your spirit empowers us, strengthens us to yield to this truth. Let us be in your will. And let us move into this love relationship that you've always wanted. Not obligation, not rules and rituals, but just a radical love for a God who loved us radically. We honor you for letting us see a new year. But more than that, we honor you because you love us unconditionally, in spite of us. So we thank you for your love. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.